bad company corrupts good character. So you become like the people you spend time with. So your friends are really important. You can't say, I know I have a crummy group of friends, but I'm a really good person. No, you're not because you're like the people that you spend time with or you're about to be just just wait a while. You plus lousy friends equals lousy you. What's up, boss? This is Abraham's wallet. We span the gap between the austerity of obedience to God and the prosperity rising from faithfulness. Run your home and your dough like a biblical boss. How are you today? What's the word? I'm pretty good. Woke up early, went to CrossFit, had a meeting this morning. That's not interesting. What are you looking forward to in your life? Uh, Tomorrow morning, we begin Sukkah construction in earnest. Oh, now you're talking. Mine is uh, Sunday. I'll be be doing that. I completely ditched the old Sukkah, and we're starting from scratch this year, and I got... The, the planning phase got a little out of hand, so I went ahead and we, we did a three-year development plan for our suka. Um, this year is just the framing. So you're, you're budgeting over a three-year period. It's not so much the budgeting as the time investment that will be required. You think, you can ma- you think you're going to make something that's going to last for three years, or you're going to take it down every year? Oh, we're going to take it down. But like, instead of nailing and screwing it all together, for example, I have created panels so that I I used to always drop this humongously heavy suka on my head when, when I was trying to put it up and putting up the suka. It's not easy to do. It's not easy to do. Well, it's not if you, if you use the, the old fashioned approach, but the new (laughs) suka is put together with panels on the bottom Uh Okay. and I have used hinges so that I can accordion the two halves of it up and store them. And it's mostly ready to, to just set up. And then I just screw my, my uprights into those panels and place the roof on top and we're good to go. Okay. And, and so putting this together was going to take you some time. So you said that's it for year one. Well, yeah, we had grand plans of like corrugated steel, like accent oh pieces word. on the panels. Oh my word. Um, the original design had a cinder block fireplace included because it's chilly in our in our um, region during Sukkot. So we decided to wait on that. Um, we we have kind with, of a, with whom a, did you make this design? I asked my daughters to draw up their wildest oh, dreams, and then we turned okay. that into a Home Depot shopping list and some okay. actual plans. Okay. Um, that kind of hits on something that we're going to be talking about today, because what you're doing is turning a spiritual benefit into a financial uh, burden, purposefully. That's right. And thankfully, I had a $250 Home Depot gift certificate, which took some of the sting out of lumber prices these days. But it was still it was still some out of pocket on top of that to That's, get everything. Wow. That whoa, we need. whoa. That's a lot. That's fun. So you did it with your daughters and then uh, g- give us a preview of what, what's what's OK. You mentioned the cinder block fire pit. 
What's yep. something else that's a future add-on? I mean, I'm trying to Steven, imagine what three years of work look like. Don't don't belittle my my fireplace. It's a fireplace okay. with a chimney. I mean, we're going what? We're going big. And Why you not? Don't think that's going to be a permanent thing? No. Wow. I'm not going to like mortar it together. It's going to be a temporary fireplace. And you're going to dismantle it every year. Uh huh. Wow. Okay. Well, <laughs> gosh, you you know it's a temporary dwelling. You know, like like they'd have to like carry it through I the mean, wilderness. I could be full of crap. You're gonna have to check in with me in two years and say, "Hey, did you ever build a fireplace?" Maybe the answer is no. Um, okay. I I will improve the aesthetics of my panels. I also am switching from tarp to curtains um, because oh, that's the tarp, nice. the, like the uh, sunbrella curtains, um, the cheapest ones that I can find because okay. curtains. If you if you get enough curtains to cover our 16 foot long suka. Yeah. And you get this umbrella. You're talking a thousand dollars there. That's, that's not gonna. Yeah, happen. that's why I asked. So, so you did not get indoor outdoor curtains. I haven't bought them yet. That's on my list of to dos oh, today. Oh, I see. And and how, how are you planning on hanging these? Are they going to be fixed on the bottom and the top so that they don't fly away? Yeah. So I have some tiny little hooks, and I'm just gonna have a couple spots to hook each panel on at the bottom, um, and then. At the top, instead of running a traditional ceiling, we're going to run wire from place to place that we can just untouch, clip, run through the curtain, and hook it into the uprights. I mean, Stephen, this all sounds like ambitious. I'm not a very good builder. My wife's not very confident in my ability to pull this off, so maybe we'll have to put some photos up and it'll either be my shame or my glory. Well, it's probably my naivete, but when I go to a Lowe's home goods store, I look around and I think with the with the raw materials they're providing me here, I could build anything. We can make anything out of what they have in that place. And it's so exciting that it makes me think, I just want to make something out of huge chains because I can buy huge chains here and I I don't know what to do with it, but it's exciting. Anyways, here's what I'm thinking of is when I was building my tree house, I I have a substantial tree house in the back of my house. And when I was building that, I felt like I was splitting the atom. I was doing something that I'd never seen before. I went and found blueprints for it. You know, you got to solve any number of problems to get that thing up and running. And I always thought I would love to, I wish, I'd still wish I had taken the time to make a guide. Here's how I did it. Here's what I did. Here's what you need to do. Because I sourced things from all over the place and took this tip from that and, you know, probably came from 10 different sources. And I always thought, I wish I could put together a guide that showed photos step by step of how I did everything. And then if anybody wanted to do what I did, or if I ever make another treehouse, gosh, that would be nice to know where all the stuff was. That's kind of how I'm feeling about your suka. I feel like you need to put together a step-by-step plan. If you're, Maybe. if you're doing something that's better than the average bear, but it's doable, I, I think people would be interested in knowing about your suka. Yeah. Well, I'll take a lot of pictures, and then if it's an abject disaster, I'll never publish them. Well, you know, 
And nothing's more fun. This reminds me of your Mother's Day post you wrote one time. Nothing's more fun than reading about someone's abject failure. Uh, yeah. Fun for you, suckers. Yeah, fun for the reader. That's the whole point. All right. Um, wow. I will tell you about one other improvement to our homestead that's going to be featured heavily in Sukkot 2021. And that is that later today I am taking delivery of a my birthday gift from my wife and my mother-in-law together. They went in and got me the fanciest, smanciest Traeger grill that you can get. And wow. so I have a 15-pound pork butt that's in the deep wow. freezer right now. I've got a brisket. I've got a rack of ribs. So there will be smoked meats Was that part of the gift, of the, the grill, and then the huge hunks of meat, or did you buy the hunks of meat? No, I bought the hunks of meat today at Costco because wow. I hear there's a meat shortage coming, and I'm supposed to stock up. But Okay. Um, well, as somebody who's a graduate of barbecue, barbecue school... I'm really impressed at what you're throwing down now with your grill. You're you're gonna you're gonna kind of be a practical graduate of barbecue school. This was a deal where I was I was like, because a Traeger grill is not a cheap thing, and I was thinking maybe just as a special splurge type thing I could get the cheapest base model Traeger, and right before we ordered it as a as a birthday gift for me the the wife said, hey, text your buddy uh, who you used to work with. I think he's at Traeger now working there because mm. it's, it's a local company. And so I texted him. He's actually on the executive team at Traeger. Wow. And I said, I don't want to bug you, but is there any like little discounts that you guys offer to friends <laughs> and stuff? And he made the crazy top of the line model the same price as the the beginner wow wow that's a pretty fancy discount and uh yeah it was it was give me one fancy feature of the top of the line smoker well i can put the connected probe into my brisket get on the app and say i have a 14 pound brisket and the probe is in and i've got this type of wood in the in the hopper now I want to eat a brisket in 10 hours. See you later. And it will take That's care ridiculous. of the rest. That's ridiculous. It's probably not very pure if you're really, if, if you're like a graduate of barbecue school part two or yeah, three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But for a, for a hacker like myself, who's never really done good things on a grill, I think it's going to be just right. We might have to get one of those out to Outpost Central in Eden, Utah. That's that's the intention, but I'm gonna keep it keep it near me to learn how to use it for a while. I would, of course, I would. Yes, I'll make We're all training. the mistakes that end up in my mouth. We're training the uh, the golden doodle to <laughs> get us a uh, Thanksgiving turkey right now because there's about <laughs> yeah. there's about a hundred turkeys on the property, and she's come real close to bagging wow. one already. So wow. I'm thinking wild turkey smoked on the smoker for Thanksgiving. I have a feeling if you went out one morning at 6 a.m., invested 90 minutes in a 22 rifle, you could come home with a turkey and no one would ever know. There's some feathers in my garage, and so I think that it might be kind of a neighborhood 
open secret that you get to take a turkey here and there. I like it. I like it. Well, um, I just had a thought because I've uh, been uh, talking with some some uh, folks, some Abraham's Wallet folks over the last couple of days. I just want to throw in here that there's a lot of folks out there that are asking questions about um, living about where your family lives and a lot of people who are considering moving and considering where they'll be in the next five years, 10 years. Um, and so I just want to throw a resource out there. I know this feels kind of out of left field, but I think there's people that would like to hear this. There's a dude named Rory Groves, R-O-R-Y, Rory Groves. And Rory was a corporate engineer computer guy for years and years. He ended his career doing that because he wanted to be, he wanted to be part of a, a family business that he could train his children in and then someday hand off that business and be part of it as a family. He moved out of the city. He moved into the country and he has a book called Durable Trades. And what he did was researched, uh, I think, 72 careers that are always going to be needed by humanity and that are kind of um, economy proof. They're just needed things like plumber. That's we're always going to need plumbers. Doesn't matter how much money you have, you're going to need a plumber. And so he created this book that said these these trades are always going to be needed and it's, it's a helpful book and also kind of inspiring just, just for establishing the role of a family and what leading a family looks like. And he asks some really good questions. Rory's website is thegrovestead.com. The Grovestead, like homestead, but his last name's Groves. TheGrovestead.com, and you can kind of follow the exploits of this family. And he has also started doing something. He's got a little gathering that he brings families onto his property. You can stay in nearby hotels. You can actually camp out on his property. I think he's in like Iowa or Idaho or somewhere up in the Northwest. And anyways, I think he's a guy, he's a smart guy who has thought through a lot of these kinds of questions. He wants land. He wants an independent multi-generational family with a business, etc. So I just throw him out to our people as a, as a um, helpful resource. And I know Rory a little bit and he's a great guy. He's as good as advertised. So I just wanted to throw that out to folks before we dove in. Fun. Yeah. So kind of if, whether you're looking for full blown retreat off the grid or just to have your first Four chickens, Rory can yeah. help you. Yeah, I mean, you, if you if you just want to if you want to retreat, go out to Rory's place, and uh, he'll inspire you and make you think differently. And you know, consider it a I, I consider outings like that. They're like conferences. They're like family conferences that you just go and go. Look, we're not obligated to do anything. We just want to learn and investigate, etc. So, thegrovestead.com and durable trades. Well, today we're going to talk about how to buy friends. 
you know, one of the things that we talked about was the need that a lot of our listeners and even our clients have expressed for mentors. And so we said, let's talk about mentors. But equally prevalent amongst our people is the sentiment of, I don't have enough close friends or I have a hard time nurturing friendships, finding new friendships as an adult. Uh, And I think that's just as true whether you're 25 and you're just kind of trying to figure out post-college life maybe, um, or you're 55, an age in, in America where the average male has no friends. True. Today, I really wanted to hone in on how to use your money to get more friends. They say money can't buy friendship, and I'm here to tell you I think they're wrong. I love it. How provocative of you. I haven't actually heard anyone say you money can't buy friends, but I like you coming against that. Well, it can't buy love, right? Can't buy love, and, they also, and I've also heard it can't buy happiness, which we know is not, not really true. Well, you're listening... Not, not, you're listening to a different they than me. <laughs> okay. You say they can't buy friendship. They, they, they can't buy friendship and neither can you. I say that's wrong. Okay. Now, do, do you have a way into this subject? Because I've thought of one. Uh, well, I was, it was going to be a real short podcast. I was just going to say give them <laughs> a, a salary. Give and them money. Make them your friends. Uh-huh. Um, you can fire them and then they won't get their money anymore. So they won't, they won't. Oh, do that's that. true. That's true. Uh, I think that's how LeBron runs his scene. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, well, yeah, he just finds friends that are at the tail end of their NBA career and haven't ever won a championship and offers <laughs> to pay them to <laughs> hang out with him. Uh, yes. Russ, Russell Westbrook. So yes, yes. Uh, so yeah. What, what do you think, Steven? Okay, so what I would establish first for our listeners for whom this might be a new concept is something that we call the five capitals. And it's a concept that was cooked up primarily by a guy that I know as Mike Breen, who presently goes by Michael Breen because he doesn't want to be confused with the NBA announcer, the guy that says, bang, whenever somebody hits a big shot, which I, I don't think... I'm not amused by that gimmick myself, by him using bang. He, he's not the first guy to say bang. He's not the last guy to say bang when someone makes a shot. I don't think it's a very clever gimmick. Anyhow, he doesn't want to be confused with that Mike Breen. So I think he goes by Michael Breen. Um, so here's the idea of the five capitals. The, what Mike did was he took an idea, like a Bible verse that says... Um, physical training is of some value, but spiritual training has value in all things, both in this life and the life to come. What Paul is insinuating in that verse is that spiritual stuff, there's something about spirituality that's more important, that's more valuable than physical something. In this case, working out. Paul would say working out spiritually is of more value to your life than working out physically. Now, so you can take a whole bunch of verses from the Bible and you can kind of cobble together what, what Mike Breen has done in outlining something called the five capitals. They work like this. The most important capital in your life is spiritual capital. That means that if you know God and you're walking with God, 
Everything else flows out of that. All the less important things flow out of that. Secondly is relational capital. The relationships you have next to a walking with God, the relationships you have are the most important things in your life. And they, everything else can flow out of them. Jobs can flow out of relationships. Um, a healthy mind, a healthy emotional life. All of those things can flow out of relationships. The next thing is after here, we're going through it again, spiritual capital, relational capital, physical capital. That is your physical space. Um, I think of Paul saying, if we have shelter and food, we will be content. So being in a place where you're physically protected, you have clothes, you have food, your physical space is of value. After physical, Mike says the fourth most valuable capital is intellectual capital. That is ideas that you have at your disposal, things you have you've gathered either from education or from experience, stuff that you know that can be applied to more important capitals and to less important capitals. The fifth most important capital is financial capital. It's the it's. Mike would say it's the least important capital. The Bible seems to represent that. However, it's one where you are supposed to learn skills and gather usage tools so that you can apply them to the other to the other capitals. Um, Mike would Mike would also say it's the easiest one to get. It's a lot easier to go work for an hour um, and make. 12 bucks for working an hour than it is to make a friend. So these are a level of importance and uh, how easy it is to, to, uh, to, to compile them. So that's, that's five capitals. So just compare for a second that relationships are second highest after spiritual life. Relationships are second most important capital in your life. Again, finances are at the very bottom. So one thing that we teach, you can go into abrahamswallet.com. We have several articles that talk about the five capitals. But one of the learnings of the five capitals is that anytime you can spend a less valuable capital to get yourself a more valuable capital, you should make that trade. So anytime you would have to spend, say, physical effort to get spiritual growth, you should do it. So you should spend the physical effort required of fasting so that you might grow spiritually. You should go out of your way physically to spend time with mentors who could grow you relationally and spiritually, et cetera. Okay, so I hope that hope the point is made. All right, that's five capitals. Now you understand five capitals and you understand that relationships are more important than money. So let me just make this point and then I'll turn you loose, Mark, which is that friends are important. I don't know if people really understand that biblically, but it, it came home to me years ago that the Bible says there's no greater love. So it's not, not on earth, not like in your day. There's no greater love, period, in the universe than a friend who would lay down his life for another friend. So biblically speaking, the love that a father has for a newborn child in his arms is not greater 
than a friend who would sacrifice himself for a friend. The love that a wife has for a wonderful husband who is kind and strong and protective is not greater than a friend who would lay down his life for another friend. So because that verse says that, that was Jesus talking, um, we could say that friendship love is, there's no greater love. I mean, I don't know if we can say it's the greatest love. There's no greater love. And I would say that every relationship in maturity is friendship. Every relationship, when it gets to be its best, it's friendship. So that, that means there's, there's co-sacrifice happening. There's giving and receiving both ways. There's um, respect, etc. Just a couple of verses to, to make my point that friends are important. You've heard Proverbs 30, 20 before. It says, if you walk with the wise, you'll grow wise. There are other verses that say that, that the people that you walk with can screw you up. Um, there's a verse that says, bad company corrupts good character. I believe Paul said that. Uh, just a second, I'll find it. It's 1 Corinthians 15. I can't find it. Listen, people, it's in 1 Corinthians 15. Paul says, bad company corrupts good character. So you become like the people you spend time with. So your friends are really important. You can't say, I know I have a crummy group of friends, but I'm a really good person. No, you're not, because you're like the people that you spend time with or you're about to be. Just, just wait a while. You plus lousy friends equals lousy you eventually. Proverbs 17, 17 says a friend loves at all times. So friends buoy you through life's trouble. They are very important for your life. Another point, friends challenge you to be like Jesus. Proverbs 27, 17, maybe the most famous verse about friends is that um, we, we sharpen one another like iron striking iron. We challenge one another and make one another sharper. Hebrews 10, 24 says that we're to spur one another on towards love and good deeds. That's like, well, you know, like the dudes while they're in a huddle and they're banging up on each other's chest and they're, you know, they're hyping each other up for the next play. That's what we're supposed to be like in life is challenging one another to be more like Jesus. Proverbs 27, 6 says the wounds of a friend can be trusted. Okay, so the friends are very, very important, biblically speaking. So now here's the, here's the I'm going to take this verse out of context. I know that. I'm just taking a section of it to make a point. Now here it is. This is my T-ball for you, Mark. Luke 16, 9. We really love Luke 16. Jesus teaches us a whole lot about money in Luke 16. But here he makes this point. This is one of his like bring it home lines. Here, here's what he says in Luke 16, 9. Use worldly wealth to make friends for yourself. He says other stuff, but I know that there's, there's a bigger context to that verse, but he does say that, make that point. Use worldly wealth, he means cash dollars, to make friends for yourself. So at the very least, we can make this point that money can be used as a relationship sweetener. So that that's what we're going to talk about now is great. <laughs> we're, I want to give some 
practical ideas for how you yeah. might take some money and use it to find friends. So shall we shall we dive into that? Yes, I want you to give a couple more examples, a couple of examples, and I have even more to say about this point. Yeah. Um, the easiest thing, so I, I looked at, there's a lot of articles flying around the internet right now about the sort of epidemic of specifically guys who have no hobbies, um, or their only hobbies are video games. Uh, so I think one of the easiest way, and actually if you go read, uh, Michael Breen's book called Oikonomics. Uh, yeah. Or, oh, I forgot. I forgot to reference that. Yeah. Uh, or sorry. It, I don't think he's the sole author on that, but, but it's one of the books that explores the, the yeah, a guy helped him write it, but it's his ideas. Oikonomics. Um, he uses an example about buying a bicycle to trade some financial capital because everybody in his neighborhood, all the guys like to go out and road bike. And he wasn't actually that interested in road biking, but, um, by buying the bicycle, he was able to trade some financial capital, not only for relational capital, because he was going to spend an hour every few days with the, the guys from the neighborhood, uh, but also some physical capital because cycling yeah. would be a healthy thing to do. Um, so, so it was a kind of a multi-pronged trade up there. Um, I think that it's really important to have some hobbies. If you want to diagnose if somebody might be struggling with depression, uh, I'm not a psychologist or a psychiatrist, so, <laughs> but one of the things that the internet has told me as I looked into this <laughs> is that uh, somebody who doesn't have any hobbies that they're interested in or anything that really they get fired up about, um, that's that's actually a, a warning sign that something might be yeah. might be not right. Um, and so you need hobbies. It's good for your mental health buzzword yes. from 2020, but huh. um, it's true. It's it's a positive thing. Uh, and you have to pick, okay, if I need hobbies and I need something that I'm excited about improving at and pursuing outside of work or home life, um, it doesn't have to be outside of your home. You could involve your family and hobbies, all that stuff. But if I need these, then I would encourage you to put some thought into the types of hobbies you're going to pursue. Hmm. Um, you might have heard the saying, I think it's really good, that men relate best to each other when they're shoulder to shoulder instead of face to face. Um, I don't mind going and getting a coffee with a guy and, and talking, but I don't think it's the most natural way that two guys relate and have a, a productive, deep conversation. Uh, compared to if I was going to be hiking up a mountain with a guy and we were working our tails off and talking as we went. My experience is that we are more likely to have a conversation that gets into the deep things when we hmm. are co-laboring at something difficult. Um, so you need hobbies. You can pick a lot of hobbies. Uh, and I would encourage you to think, you know, if I have to do this thing anyways, and I don't have a bunch of things I'm already passionate about, maybe I'll choose ones that I need other people to participate alongside me with. I, I have a hunch that you might mention pickleball again, oh. uh, but I, I'm going to 
go ahead and burst that bubble. Um, but yeah, I, I think these, these can be, you know, this summer I took up golf for the first time and it's been a friendship builder. Uh, it's actually even been a mentorship builder for me. I have found a lot of old guys that are willing to play golf who wouldn't be interested in a trail run. So that's, that's kind of a cool one. Um, it's been a business builder for me because it's something I can actually do with a client and it's been a friendship builder because I can take a guy that I'm discipling or just a, a friend and we can go spend, we have a little course by the house that we can play nine holes in an hour. So it's not like abandoning my family for the whole day. Um, that's been a good hobby that has cost me money. You know, it's not the cheapest, but I have gotten major returns in friendship and mentorship from from that one uh i will juxtapose that with a hobby that i've talked about on here before that i was really into a few years back which was running ultra marathons this was what i would call a bad hobby for the guy Mm. who's interested in developing friendships or staying married um because My normal Saturday and Sunday consisted of eight hours in the mountains by myself. Um, Once in a while, I found somebody to run a little bit with me. But for the most part, I was spending massive amounts of time alone. Uh, And I I enjoyed the accomplishments of that time in life. But it wasn't... I would go so far... You know, if you're an ultra runner, bless you. I think there's some really cool things about it. If that's the pad if your life looks like mine did i would go so far as to say inappropriate for a father with young kids so if that kind of is your face i'm gonna make a a bold uh, call call out there he just called you he just called you out ultra marathon runner with little kids i know that we've encouraged running on this podcast um and that's actually one of my next points here your hobbies don't have to be expensive Running is a very inexpensive hobby. You need shoes and you can find a buddy. And um, so, again, physical and relational capital there. I think, depending on what your thing is, hunting is another one that's good. Um, It's not super expensive to learn to hunt and you can probably find a buddy who's really into it and borrow a shotgun or whatever you need from them. And they'll they'll be delighted. there's two things about hunting that apply to other other hobbies that I think are really interesting. Number one, being if you've never hunted or you've never played golf or you've never tried running a 10K, whatever it is, finding somebody else that's really into that and giving them the chance to play mentor to you um, can be actually really beneficial to a friendship. So there's some bonds that get built especially if you're the type of person that's usually in the teaching role or uh, I know if you're listening to Abraham's Lot podcast, you've got a lot of really profound wisdom to share. So your friends probably think of you as mostly the source of wisdom, not the recipient, yeah. um, because right. you're just saying what we say every week. And yeah. But uh, on a serious <laughs> note, I actually think letting somebody else teach you something that they're really into is a fantastic way to build friendships because when people are into their thing, whatever it is, they might love to tie flies and go fly fishing. Um, If you just say, hey, would you ever teach me that? That dude is going to be like, I would love to teach you that. Oh, yeah, of Um, course. 
you know, they might even offset your financial investment in your hobby because they're going to be like, I've got a ton of old stuff here. You don't need to buy anything. Let's just go. Um, yes. So that's one thing I like about things like hunting, that, that there's an opportunity to say, hey, I'm a beginner. I would like to go hunt with you and I don't want to kill you. So can you teach me some things? Um, number two, I think if you could find something, this doesn't have to be all of your hobbies, but that involves the occasional trip. Um, I think getting away with guys is, is worth your time and money. So the reason I call out hunting there is cause it's usually really inexpensive. It you don't have to go kill things. You could just be into backpacking or camping. Um, you could yeah. be into golf and you go to, to Scottsdale if you want to spend a god yeah. ton of money on your hobby. Um, whatever. Well, you could just save up a little money and go to one of those, uh, Robert Trent, uh, whatever his name is, the guy who has all the courses uh, in the South, and just make it a just make it a destination thing. Let's just go play one of those fancy courses. Yeah, uh, I was a bad surfer back in the day, and I did a trip with a, a good buddy where we just drove up the coast of Baja, Mexico, and surfed. And we were broke as a joke, and we did it for very inexpensive and only ran into uh, the cartels once on that trip. So um, <laughs> probably a, that's a better one for if you haven't yet had children, just because your risk of, of death is higher. Um, but I thought I thought of a story when you were talking about how unwise it is to spend hours and hours doing ultra marathon running. And occasionally you can find a, run, a friend who will run some of that with you. OK, come with it. Okay, well, there's this, I knew a guy who ran ultra marathons and he had it in his brain. I'm going to run 50 miles in the mountains of California. And, and what he said to me was, would you be willing to run a half marathon as the last leg of my 50 mile run? And I thought, yeah, I could run a half marathon. He's like, now do you, I just need to warn you, we'll be running through the foothills. It will be a lot of up and down. You really need to spend more time on the Stairmaster than on the treadmill because it's going to be a lot of, a lot of climbing. Okay. Well, but it's just a half marathon. I, I think I can pull that off. And so, um, I, I was training to those ends and then like the week before the event, this friend of mine said, um, oh, uh, bad news. I just found out that uh, it's not a half marathon to get uh, the, the last kind of the place where you can j jump into the trail with me. It's more like um, two thirds of the way through. I think it's going to be like maybe uh, 18 miles. I was like, oh, well, I've only been training really for 13 miles. So 18, huh? Well, I... I mean, we've bought all the plane tickets. My family's coming. We're going to meet you at this beautiful San Luis Obispo. Do we say Louis or Louis Obispo? San Luis Obispo. That's how I say it. San Luis Obispo in California. It's going to be really fantastic. Well, I, I mean, I'll just try to up what I can do in the last couple of weeks or the last few days. I really think it might have been the last week. And then when we arrived they're in this destination for this fabulous uh ultra marathon deal the guy goes hey guess what uh i found out um 
Bad news. Uh, it's really a marathon that you're going to have to run. It's 24 miles through the mountains. And I just slowly nodded my head and said, well, I, just, you know, I'm screwed. I guess I'll do my best. And then I n nearly died running it. And that friend was you. <laughs> You're the guy. You're the guy who made me train for 13. And then I ran for 26. That's true. How, do you, and how you, does that make you feel? That, that's a reinforcing point to, you know, <laughs> I did do a lot of solo training for that hobby. But when we took our trip, there was some real bonding that happened on that trip. There was. We, that's true. The trip was a delight. We had bonding as two guys when we were out there trying not to get passed by a lot of ladies who were far, <laughs> far fitter than we have ever been. Uh, uh huh. There was there was a time where I needed to defend you because some some spectators <laughs> at the end said uh. something like. Well, that that pacer didn't didn't stick nice with job, his, his uh, runner, and I was like, the yeah, we we bonded while we were running together, and then we didn't bond because you wanted to finish the race, understandably, and I was dying, so I was walking the last probably mile and a half while you were finishing the race, and then we rebonded once I had crossed the finish that, line. But but even the trip aspect, I mean, we saw the Hearst Castle together. That was, yeah, that was there a was great lots time. of fun stuff about that. Um, so to, to your point, a trip, uh, it can be a really good way to get like three years of relational capital built in a week. And if you can think true, of something true. that would give you an excuse to, to go do a trip with, with guys, then do it. Because my, I can't think of too many things that would be worse than like, guys doing what my wife does when she goes on what she calls a girls weekend where they just go hang out and have some indulge themselves some massages and you know go to dinner and must yeah nails done no i want to like hey let's go on a mountain bike trip sounds great or let's go you know pick your poison um Think of something. And do you think that it would be, do you think it would be worth it if you had a young guy with no money and you said, I'm paying your way? Oh, that's, that's on my list of notes is, um, you know, we can, we can, we can skip right there. But when it comes to friendships, think of your budget. You know, this, we've talked about this and we talked about giving, you know, you could, depending on where you fall, and how you want to budget. You could budget this in your giving and generosity budget. You could have a separate budget called friendship and set aside yes. money and force yourself to spend it on others. So, you know, um, that can be little things like one meal uh, a month that I'm going to spend on someone else. I, I think I've talked about it here Amelia and I took a couple out to dinner at a fancy restaurant the other day and, well, nine months ago, and they were sig significantly <laughs> wealthier than us, but we had decided we were going to treat them and they were kind of like, well, yes. why are you, why are you doing this? And it's like, we, we don't need you to pay for our dinner. And it's like, no, we want to, we actually felt like this was uh, something the Lord put on our hearts to take you out and treat you to a meal. And that's good. Um, 
So it can be somebody who would never have had the chance to eat at a fancy restaurant because it's not in their monthly budget to spend a hundred bucks on a meal. Or it could be somebody who that's no big deal. And honestly, a lot of those people, when they go out to dinner with somebody, the people look at them like, well, you're going to pick up the check, right? Because you're money bags. And so you can spend money on friendship in either case and really say something awesome to that person. Either, hey, you're worth me spending double because we wanted to be here with you. I wanted to be here with you. Or, hey, I'm not trying to uh, hang around you to get the the financial benefits. I, I think your friendship is worth some some expenditures for me. So, um, sp- spending yeah. money on others, you know, I uh, I was talking to a guy the other day whose brother uh, paid for him to be a part of this really cool group, and it was a big investment. It was like five thousand dollars, and it changed the guy's life. Yeah. Um, I think that's a fantastic way to use money to to uh, spend to scholarship somebody to do something that you want to do, and if you've if you've got yeah. the coin, a lot of us don't have five grand to to give, but it might be hey, I'm gonna cover a, a, a weekend uh, away for you with with the guys, you know, you you and I yeah. have done guys retreats where we. We've talked about like the the Amish weekend here where we spent a weekend with the Amish. There was guys who that would be a stretch to afford and just pay for that. Before you make your next point, let me let me throw something out here, because I wonder if people, when they think of this verse, use worldly wealth to make friends for yourself. If you have this reaction, which is that kind of feels dirty, like to you to use money Shouldn't shouldn't relationships be purer than that? You know, shouldn't they just like me because I'm so sweet and noble and to use money to to sweeten a relationship feels a little bit uh, unseemly. But I, I just want to throw out here that you, you already believe that you already believe that wealth can sweeten relationships in most of your life. So you remember Jesus saying the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew seven eleven. He says, you fathers know how to give good gifts to your children. And he says, how much more does your father give good gifts to his children? Um, So do you think there's something weird that you give your children uh, Christmas gifts? Or you give your children gifts on their birthday? Or like we do spiritual birthdays in my house? Do you think that's weird? Because I know that my kids like me more when I give them gifts, by the way. So do you think that's weird? No, we think that's part of being a parent. Do you think that it is unseemly that you get your spouse special gifts on their birthday or anniversary or whatever? No, you don't think that's weird. They Do they like you more when you give them gifts that they love? Yes. So do you think that's weird? Um, no, we, we actually think that gifts are a normal part of life. There's a, there's a verse, uh, Proverbs 18 says, a man's gift makes a way for him, or, or another translation is a man's gift opens a door for him. A lot of preachers in recent years have spiritualized that verse to mean like, oh, your spiritual gifts make a way for you. Well, that might be true, but that's not what that verse says in its simplest form. It's just that when you bring a gift with you to the dinner party, you can charm and delight your host so that they are really glad that you came because of what you gave them. Now, we could all say, well, they're going to be glad I came anyways, just like I could say your spouse is going to love you anyways, or your kids are going to love you anyways. But 
a gift connotes love. I mean, it's one of the ways that we display our esteem and value for somebody else. Hey, you're more important to me than the 75 bucks that it costs to buy this nice bouquet of flowers. So I'm giving them to you. So you already think that's normal in many other aspects of your life. And yet some people wince at the idea of sweetening relationships with money. Um, I would say that's one of the basic things that money would be for, would be to um, enhance relationships. Uh, just one other thing I'll throw on here is Matthew six twenty one says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. That means that where you put money, your heart follows that pathway. So if you spend a lot of money on your 25th anniversary gift to your spouse, your heart follows that money. It's just something that happens. I don't know how it happens exactly. That's kind of a God mystery. Maybe he'll explain that to us. But the scripture tells us that where your treasure is, where you, where you put your money, your heart follows it. That's one reason that we're so interested in where you give, where your giving goes, because your heart tends to follow where your money goes. So don't you want your heart to be with your friends or chosen relationships or mentees that you're trying to develop and encourage and bring along or mentors that you want to follow and you want them close by your side? You want these friends, don't you, who are going to be there for you in good times and bad? Well, why wouldn't you use money to do whatever you can to enhance that relationship? It's not stupid or worldly or fleshly at all. It's wise. All right. Now you can make your third point. Uh, yeah, I was just going to say, if you're looking for ways to, to chuck some money at your friends, um, if you're in the life stage that we are in, uh, one of the big limiters to people is finding childcare. Uh, if you can have a role of childcare providers and babysitters and, you could say to somebody, hey, come out to dinner. I've got a babysitter that's happy to watch your kids that, that we trust. Yeah. That's a great one. Boy, oh boy. Uh, especially if somebody, you know, might be resistant to you picking up the tab for their dinner or whatever. Um, I, I'm always shocked when I talk to families at how few people just have ready childcare, uh, especially in a stage when it's hard to to get out, uh, whether it's with your spouse or with your friends often. Um, it's probably one of the number one excuses I get from guys, uh, when, when I ask them to do something, Oh, I I can't, I'm watching the kids that day. Um, right. So consider, you know, comping childcare and spend your time to develop that list of people who, who are a good resource there. Well, we've, we've mentioned on this podcast before that, the, the way that I originally got time with you was I took you to Salisbury steak night out at the Smother, uh, smothered at the steak, black smothered steak um, at the black eyed pea. And you were, uh, I don't know, 15, 16 year old who was like food. How, how much food will there be? Oh, I, I'm I'm so wealthy. I'm 24. I've got so much money. And I can just buy you all the food that you need at the Black Eyed Pea and you were in. So it's a really, it's a really obvious thing. If you, by the way, if you want to make disciples, don't start with people that look like you. You can start with find a high schooler 
find a lonely high schooler and go like, I don't know, I'll take you out for ice cream and then we can just talk about your life and I'll help you through school and your parents and the, <laughs> that's a really cheap ticket into somebody's life is I'll buy a meal for you. I'll, uh, do you think that trying to make a disciple is worth the hundred dollars that you'll invest over a six month period with a high schooler? Well, of course it is. So we, we, it's so easy for us to write a check to a church and go, well, I know when they buy their plasma TVs, it's for the sake of the gospel. So I know that that's money well spent. And yet we won't do the same thing to fulfill somebody's practical need so that we could buy time with them. Like paying a babysitter so that you can spend time with a great couple. Duh. That's a really obvious thing. The, the, um, I'll, I really challenge you. I think this is very creative and, and challenging for the how creative we are with money. We talked about Mike Breen. He gives the example Bang. of a guy who told... Oh, you're going to give you going to say that story? Yeah. Oh, I I just said bang cuz I thought we were talking about Mike Breen. <laughs> oh, bang. I, th- I thought you said hey like I was about to steal your example you're going to use. <laughs> bang. Um, he gives this he tells the story of a guy who told his uh, he was a single guy. He told his college buddies, many of whom were married. He said, "I will give $1,000 to the guy who introduces me to my wife in the next year. Now, that is a genius idea. This guy said, I want to get married. I want to find a very high quality woman. I don't really know any for whatever reason. And so what do you think these guys did? They went farming. They went and asked their wives, their little sisters, their friends, whoever, get me some good blind dates for this guy. This guy was crowded with quality blind dates. He married one of them, paid his friend a thousand bucks who introduced them. That sounds genius to me. What a way to use money. And could you say, well, yes. well, he bought his wife. No, of course he didn't buy his wife. He paid for a quality introduction that led to him having a, a great spouse. That's a, I, I think that's a really helpful challenge to us to go, gosh, do I use do I actually use money to to influence and buy entrance into people's lives the way that I should? So I think it's a I think it's provocative and and very helpful. That's awesome. Um, OK, one more thing on using money to buy friends. Um, All right. You mentioned gifts that you can give gifts. Here's a specific gift I think I really like if you're trying to get to know somebody or whatever. Um, give books that you have enjoyed because mm. that has this double impact. It, a, it lets you say, hey, I have been paying attention to who you are and this strikes me as something that you would be interested in. It doesn't, mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be a spiritual topic. It could be... True. You just always like seem to dig into history, and this one blew my mind with some stuff. I thought you'd like it, but so people go, "Oh wow, Stephen is is thinking about like who I am, and that's that's right. kind of cool." But benefit number two is that you now have something to talk about if it's a book you've read, and if you're in the kind of spot of going, "Well, I kind of want to get to know some guys," but when we get together, we just end up talking about the sports talk radio news or whatever it doesn't seem 
Well, pick a book that you want to talk about with somebody and hand it to them as a gift and say, this, this is something I want to get your, your take on. People will be delighted that you thought of them, that you put through, picked a book that was relevant to them. And then you'll, you'll have free conversation starters for a long time. Great idea. Let me wrap up with this point. Do it. You need to make it a priority when other guys are trying to do this stuff with you that you say yes to most invitations or at least be aware of the consequences of saying no. Proverbs 18.24. So we live in in an era when I, I had a meeting with a guy this morning and we had scheduled it two weeks ago and he texted me this morning and said, are we, we're still on, right? And I just thought, you don't ever have to text me this, you know, (laughs) I have turned down other meetings because this has been on my calendar for two weeks. Yeah. It's on my calendar. Um, I'll be there, but he kind of does have to do that because so many many people people. just forget or bail. We're just not super reliable. Proverbs 18, 24 says the first part of the verse says one who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin. Ooh. Um, and I was, you know, again, on the golf course with a guy and I said, Hey, yeah. what about this guy that we hang out with? Have you, have you ever, does he play golf? Would he like to come play? And they said, yeah, he, he always tells me he wants to play. He, I've invited him 10 times. He never comes. Uh, so I stopped mm. asking and I've heard mm. that about, I, I can tell you 10 guys that I've heard that about where mm-hmm. they were invited in to hang out with guys and they said, no, two or three times. And finally the guys who do want to develop friendships go, they're not interested. So I'm done inviting them. Um, so there's a finite amount of times you can say no before people stop inviting you. And then you, you are on the road to loneliness. If, if people have written you off and said, this is not someone who says yes to an invitation. Yeah, boy, that's a great point. So be, you know, there's definitely, I'm not trying to shame people who are in a season where you've got three kids under the age of three and you're truly busy, but move heaven and earth to say yes whenever possible to invitations or, or at least know that when you say no a few times, you're probably taking that particular friendship off the table, at least for a while yeah, uh, as one that you're going to, to be able to develop. I often, if I have to say no to an invitation, I'm I usually look for what alternate can I throw out to them, even if it's a month out. Did you go? I I cannot do it this Wednesday. Could can we do it four Wednesdays from now? Because I I feel that um, I can feel that you know every relationship has to be maintained. They all have to, and you know it doesn't mean that every person in your life is your closest friend, and you have to see them weekly. You have some friends who are, they're kind of quarterly friends. I'm going to see them quarterly and I, that's fine. Um, but you, as you say, you can't say no permanently to everybody and hold on to a relationship. So that's a great point. Yeah, that's, that's, (laughs) it's, there's nothing sinful about saying this is not a relationship I'm going to be investing in right now. So we've had dinner invitations where we just said, we're going to say no, we, we can't do it. And we're not going to do the, you know, the normal thing of, oh, but we could do it next Sunday night because this is not a friendship yes. that we have time to invest in. We, yeah, that's we wish fair. them well, but saying yes to 
everything could lead you to just you know, always spend time with people who you don't think are the ones that, that are going to lead to long-term. <laughs> That's trip. true. So I'm not saying say yes to everything. I'm saying say yes when it, like really ask yourself, is this a friendship I'm trying to develop? And if it is, just be real thoughtful about saying no too often. That's right. I was going to say one other thing along those lines, which is I was, th- I was trying to think of things that are smart kind of gifts to people that are events. So if you're a member of a country club, and you can have, you know, two friends come play golf with you. And you're like, oh, I'll just invite my two best buddies. Or you've got like four tickets to the big football game. And, you know, me and my wife can go. We'll invite two. And the, and the layup, the lazy thing can be, well, just invite two good old friends to go with us. And maybe that's the right call. But you should be thinking about how do I best use those invitations, which are really gifts to people. We think that that's one of the uses of having vision statements and doing, um, you know, what we call um, uh, summits to take a look back at your life and go, who are the important relationships in our life for this season? Who are the people that we feel called to? Well, then now, you know, who's the who's the other two guys you're supposed to bring on your golf foursome? I should invite those two guys. There's a Timothy I'm after, and there's a Paul mentor type that I'm after. Or who's the two people we should take to the football game? Well, it's obvious. It's that couple that we said that we feel God's putting them on our on our plate to reach out to, et cetera. It's good to know what's a, what's a gift, what's an invitation that's really a gift. And it's also very helpful to know who to invite to those things. So I just throw that out as a final tip. That's good. Yeah. And you can put yourself in that situation when you're on the Ticketmaster checkout line to to get your Lyle Lovett tickets because he's coming to town. You mm. get the choice. Do I buy two or should I buy four? You True. could buy four and then say, oh, we're going to have to find two people to, to add to our party here. So, um, yeah, that's, that's good. I like it. Okay, great. Well, we have covered how to buy your friends. Um, <laughs> that's and right. You know, if you've tried all these things and you still don't have friends, then <laughs> you might have to go the LeBron James method, which or is just, just buy some deodorant. So, something's going on. There, there's a problem. You got other issues. Yeah, uh, but again, nothing that moving them from from contractors to salaried uh, friends can't overcome. Yeah, that's true. Nothing that a salaried friendship can't overcome. And if there's a promise of an NBA championship in there somewhere, even better. Right. Speaking of which, speaking of which, the NBA season is is coming soon, Mark. I I did see the invite from you for the Fantasy League. Yeah, that's right. You know what? Our Fantasy League has grown stale in my mind. I wouldn't mind throwing this out to Abraham's Wallet listeners who love the NBA and are interested in fantasy NBA. If that's if that's any of you out there and you're a good time, I need to I need to make that caveat. You have to be a good time. You have to be somebody that's interesting and yucks it up and talks Amen. some trash. Because so if, if you're just going to sit there and quietly make moves and never talk to the crew, we don't need you. I have gotten berated in our fantasy league in the last three years for my aggressive smack talk. And I'm like, this is why <laughs> That's I play why fantasy. you're doing it. If you gave me the choice to win or to have a season full of good one-line zingers, yes. I would definitely rather be the, the 
guy who talks greasy in the chat box. Yes, yes, yes. Agreed. And and this would be this would be this is a co-ed invitation. I, I'm not bothered about your your gender, however God made you. That's all right with me. I don't care. Well, let's think about that. You, you tend to, you tend to name our league after things that are not necessarily mixed company appropriate. Well, I am assuming that if a woman is willing to do NBA fantasy, um, that she's a little rough and tumble. I assume that she's she's been around sports a little bit. That's my presumption. Man, I would love it if we uh, if we retooled the the payroll for for fantasy this year with a few aw listeners great Uh, i think i think you need you need some idea guys too because what happens every year is we tend to get i don't know two-thirds of the way through the year and it's clear if you're going to be in the runnings for the playoffs or not and half the people just go i'm done and then it's there needs to be there's a guy at my CrossFit gym who drives around with a BYU license plate this year because he lost his fantasy oh, league. Oh, I love it. He, he doesn't like BYU. But, I love it. Uh, th- I feel like that's what we need some negative motivation. That is that really good. Too. That's really good to put a to put a like a sticker on your car of something that you absolutely hate. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Well, we'd love to mix it up. Listen, if you're in a wallet listener and you like the NBA fantasy, please let us know. Otherwise, we'll see you next week. Adios. Adios.